Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's National Parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 15.1, the first episode in our series on Saguaro National Park near Tucson, Arizona. In this episode, Brian and I and our two daughters talk about our trip in February 2019, where we explored both the east and west districts of the park. Though we absolutely love Saguaro National Park, it was not the original plan for this trip. Listen to our conversation to find out why. We also want to hear about your adventures. Do you have a story to tell about your family's experience at a national park? A favorite recommendation to share? Or how this podcast helped enrich your trip? Email us at hello at everybody'snps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybody'snps.com. Before I get to today's topic, I want to take a moment to talk about listener support. If you are already a patron of the podcast, thank you so much, and feel free to skip ahead one minute to today's conversation. If you are not yet a patron and you want to hear my thoughts on this topic, here they are. This podcast is a labor of love. We were looking for a podcast that would help us in planning our family trips to national parks. We could not find one, and so we decided to create the podcast we were looking for. I ask you this question... Has this podcast brought you value? If so, would you consider becoming a patron by offering financial support? Patreon is a platform that allows for recurring monthly support for as low as a dollar per month. You may find a link on everybodysnationalparks.com to support the show. Thank you for listening to this and for considering supporting Everybody's National Parks. Now let's get to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle, and today I am here with Brian to talk about our trip to Saguaro National Park in Southern Arizona. Hi, Brian. Hi, Danielle. So I'm excited to talk about this. We've, uh, this was more of an impromptu trip than our usual well-planned out, well-thought-out trips. Do you want to talk about why this was kind of a trip to a national park on the fly? (laughs) Sure. So this trip was in February 2019. We wanted to try and get warm in Arizona, away from the East Coast winter. Our initial plan was to go and spend a couple of days in Scottsdale, meet up with the grandparents, and then drive up north to the Petrified Forest but it did not go as planned. We had some cold weather in Arizona. We had lots of rain in Scottsdale and then drove up north to a humongous snowstorm, a snowstorm of the century there. They got over 36 inches in northern Arizona and basically all of northern Arizona was shut down. Roads were shut down and we could not get there. I actually, while we were on the road and your parents were ahead of us and alerted us to the road closure, I called the Department of Transportation, Arizona DOT, and they were trying to be helpful and they were looking to see if we could get there and we're looking at different routes. And while they're on the phone with me, they're saying, nope, that road's closed. Nope, that road's closed. 
And then finally, they said to me, I think you need to turn around. There's no way to get there. (laughs) Yeah, we probably didn't need them to tell us that out of our own stubbornness because, you know, it was getting close to being a whiteout driving up there. And some of our East Coast, Northeastern arrogance was is we can drive through bad weather. But at some point, we realized this was extraordinarily bad weather. But I'd argue this is good for us. You know, we, we end up planning out a lot of our trips because we live far away from the parks, as we've talked about before. We live as about as far away from any national park that you can in the U.S., just where we are on the east end of Long Island. So when we go, it's, not, it's never impromptu, never let's just load up the car and go. Uh, whereas I think most people, depending on where they live, they can do that. They can decide on a Friday morning, you know what, let's leave work, leave school Friday afternoon, and let's drive from Washington to Shenandoah. Let's drive from Houston to Big Bend. Let's drive from San Francisco to Yosemite. So this was good for us. It was good for us to kind of just have no expectations, no prep, really just kind of roll into a park and let it wash over us. No pun intended, given all the rain that we got as well. But it was a lot of fun. So I'm glad we did it. And it was good for us and a great experience. It really did work out. And I'm glad we we just kind of on the fly. What can we do? What's what's our plan B now? And, uh, you know, that's one thing with travel. You got to be flexible. <laughs> right. And again, Suaro is is right outside of or maybe even not even outside. I think it's really contiguous with Tucson city limits. So again, it was great for us just to kind of roll right in and experience. So Danielle, do you want to describe Saguaro National Park? You know, how it's shaped, what it looks like, and of course, what's its chief attraction when one thinks of it? Yeah, Saguaro, we had been there once for on a very brief visit. When you think of Saguaro, of course, you think of its namesake, the Saguaro cactus. But there is so much more there. First thing to note is The park has two distinct sections. There's the east side and the west side, the Tucson Mountain District and the Rincon Mountain District, split by the city of Tucson itself. There is so much biodiversity in this park. The flora and the fauna, the fauna is harder to see, but so much flora, there is actually quite a bit of precipitation, especially on the east side. And so you get so much biodiversity in there. And there's so much water there, which I was really surprised. I didn't expect to see that in the desert. Yeah, that was great. There was a little bit of being a rookie East Coast person in being in the Sonoran Desert. Because when I thought of Saguaro and cactus, I thought of it as out of the movies where there's one lonesome cactus in the middle of desolation. Or frankly, what was on my mind a lot was the old Peanuts comic strip, Snoopy's cousin Spike, if you remember. Spike lived in the desert and he was always leaning up against a saguaro cactus and just one. What was amazing is, uh, you're right, there's so much more to the park and to the Sonoran Desert than just the cacti. But truly, that is the centerpiece, and that's the majesty are these saguaro cactus, which are everywhere. It is a thick forest of cactus. I don't know if you can ascribe a forest to a cactus, but in my mind, uh, that's what it looks like. These towering, majestic 30, 40, 50-foot cactus that were everywhere, and it was a really striking thing to see in all the trails that we went on. So with that, and again, you're right, we were there. One other thing I want to bring up, going on to kind of the impromptu visit, we were there at a pretty busy time with a lot of day trippers from Tucson and the surrounding areas because of all the precipitation that Arizona had gotten. In the north, it was snow. It was a driving 48-hour rainstorm in the southern part of the state. It was a pretty wet park, and there was water flow 
including waterfalls that we were told don't show up other than once every 5, 10, 15 years when you would have a storm like that. So we were there and got to see it with a lot of local residents who came out to the park just to see it. So that was really exciting too, to see the park in that repose with a lot of water features juxtaposed next to cactus. It was really cool to see. And it got snow too. The Rincon Mountain District, so the east side, got quite a bit of snow. They got, you know, five, six inches of snow. And so even staff and the families of staff came to see it because it's not something that they typically see. There was even, we saw a snowman (laughs) while we were there. A snowman in the desert. At the picnic area. So, you know, it was a very busy day the day we were there because people wanted to see this. It was a gorgeous day. It was the day after the storm. And then um, to see snow. There's snow. Obviously, the East District has high elevation, so you get snow in the mountains, but to have snow at the visitor center, that was a rare sighting. Yeah, that was really nice. So do you want to talk about what our what our trip looked like and some of the things that we were able to do and uh, some of the trails that we hiked? So do you want to just talk about our first day? Yeah. What was nice was this was an unplanned trip. We got to spend a couple of days at the park. Uh, We went back and forth. We did two visits to the west side, the Tucson Mountain District, and two visits to the east side, the Rincon Mountain District. And so that first visit, that first day, was the west side. And that was very brief. We got there late in the afternoon because it was after driving, (laughs) trying to get north, and then driving south. So we just got the tail end of the day. But we explored the visitor center, which is very nice. And then we hit the Hugh Norris Trail, which is the longest hike in the west section. It's 4.9 miles. It reaches an elevation of like 4,600 feet, a bit more than that. And you can do an out and back. And since we didn't have a ton of time, we just went for as long as we wanted to and headed and then headed back. But we got lots of different weather while we were there, even in that brief hike. We got some sunshine. We got some rain. We got some hail and got to end and dry off with some sunshine, which was very nice with the change in colors as the sun was starting to go down. The elevation, it actually starts off fairly steep in the beginning, and we didn't get to the end, obviously, but apparently there's some change in elevation at the end as well. So yeah, it's a great workout too. So we were in the car, as Danielle said, kind of trying to plow through some snow with the car. So it was great to get out and stretch our legs, get some elevation, and get the heart rate up for us. But I would say this is moderate to strenuous, depending on one's shape. I mean, you know... We were fine with it, but I think uh, there is elevation, and obviously, if you're used to sea level like we are, you know your heart rate's going to go up. So just take care when when you're on this trail. But also, it's nothing um, insurmountable. So I no. think it was I think it was pretty fair. The elevation gain is over two thousand feet, so that is fairly significant. But once you get up there, you have views across the Sonoran Desert, a view across eighty miles of the desert. So it is very beautiful. And one difference of the east side and the west side is uh, on the west side where we were on this Hugh Norris Trail. The west side is much more dense with the saguaro cacti, the density of them. So you just see tons of them, so many off in the distance, up close to you. And um, you talked about how tall they can get. They can actually get 
much taller, I think you said around 30 feet or so, they can get as high as 60, 70 feet. Yeah. It's really incredible to be right next to them. So do you want to talk about, was it the next day that we went on the guided hike with the uh, volunteer ranger? Yes. Yes, it was. So that day was the one day that we had the entire family, our kids, grandparents. And that was a great day. We we did a lot of things, but we we didn't do strenuous hikes. We did nice walks. But I enjoyed that guided hike because I got to learn a lot with that guided hike. So we got to learn a little bit about not only the swallow cactus, but the other cactus. And just to give you that sense, the floor of the Sonoran Desert is a riot of vegetation. Again, my East Coast ignorance is a desert equals desolation. Not not at all. There was a riot of vegetation, other type of cactus, flowers. You know, we were there kind of in their peak season, getting early onto spring. So we saw some wildflowers, but I think we were there a little bit early for that. But it was great to see and learn a bit about what we were seeing. So we would recommend, as always, uh, this guided hike. And it was pretty easy for kids as well. And also, as a bonus, there was a ruin of a settlement there. And one of the nice things I remember is one thing you can see was a few trees planted in a row. Those trees were used as a de facto fence by the uh, settlers. So you can, when you saw trees in the desert that were uh, unnaturally in a line, it was because those were settlers there scratching out a living, which was kind of amazing, again, to think about someone scratching out a living in the Sonoran Desert. Yeah, I really liked that hike. That was really nice. Again, the water... So this hike, we later found out when we went to the visitor center that they were not recommending this particular trail for people because of the wash, which that was an unfamiliar term to me. Was that familiar to you? Just from cowboy movies, because, you know, they're always laying an oh. ambush down at the wash, right? But that's oh. it. You know, not you know, just a Hollywood version of, of what it is. Okay. I guess I haven't seen my uh, fair share of John Wayne movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a new term to me. So the wash just having the, you know, the snow melt causing like a stream of water. It was very wet and very muddy, but totally doable. So the trail we were on was the Freeman Homestead Nature Trail, and there's lots of signage there. It's a good trail for kids because it's easy to do. It's not that long. And on the signage, they have things for kids in particular. It's not just informational, but there's also like drawings and questions asking kids like, can you see this? Can you find this? That type of stuff. Yeah, it was very engaging for children. So we highly recommend that for for kids. As a hike, there's another nature trail by one of the nature centers as well. But our kids really dug into this. Speaking of kids, what else do you think in terms of uh, kids' activities, especially when we went into the visitor centers? And to be clear, there are two visitor centers on each side, and they're both pretty big and robust. So it's not as though one feels like a satellite visitor center. They both could serve as a main visitor center. But what are some of the other things that our kids were able to kind of dig in on at this park? So, you know, of course, the first thing we get when we arrive at any park is, you know, to get the Junior Ranger booklet, and they were off and running with that. And there's a nice museum there and a film, as in most parks. At the Visitor Center on the east side, the Rincon Mountain District, they have a very nice walk that's right outside the entrance of the Visitor Center that identifies plants and has signage and the uses of of these different plants. So we thought that was really cool and interesting. And then when we would be on the trails, we would try to identify what we had just seen there. One thing I thought was great were the nurse trees, which 
pulls me back to some of the trees in Olympic National Park where I was with my brother, which we have a whole series on, which there also were nursed trees there. But, you know, you can't think of any two different ecosystems than Olympic National Forest and the, the whole rainforest and the Sonoran Desert, but they have the same principle in nurse trees. So do you want to talk about what those nurse cactus and nurse trees were? Yeah. So nurse trees, the saguaro cactus needs to have a bit of a shelter in order to grow. So when you look under trees, look closely and usually you'll see many, you know, it was typically around five or so small saguaro cacti and it's like the nursery school <laughs> and and then they grow and grow through the trees well they- i think you're being a uh, you're being a little polite the birds would perch in the tree and eat the seeds and then they would uh defecate out kind of the seeds for the saguaro cacti so that's why you had a lot of them because uh, around this nursery because that's the shelter that the birds would take i can't remember which birds you're the bird watcher you would probably remember probably the cactus wren that's the bird that we saw a lot there. And I think that might be the bird of Arizona, So the state bird. Another question for you. Speaking of John Wayne, there is a John Wayne movie where he sidles up next to a swallow cactus. He sticks a spigot right into the cactus, turns the spigot on, and gets a nice drink of water because he's out there and parched. Can you do that? To Not that we would do that to, in a national park and abuse any type of flora or fauna, but could one do that if they had their own private saguaro cactus? It is not recommended. And our volunteer did give specific reasons, but you know how bad my memory is. Do you remember what he said about that? Yeah, I was leading you that. You you can't drink from it. You can't like in (laughs) my head. Well, I did answer that. (laughs) Just kind of cut it down and there's a big bowl of water in there. So there are other cactus where I guess one could do that, but not the saguaro. So again, the Kind of what I remembered as a kid with, well, every cactus has water in it, but you can't just uh, use it as a water receptacle, a living water receptacle. Speaking of water and when a cactus is fully hydrated, when it, you know, contains like 80% water, it can weigh between 3,200 and 4,800 pounds. Yeah. These are big, big plants. Daniel, do you want to talk about our sunset hike? So we took a sunset hike. It was a guided hike that was available. And it's not, apparently, this this uh, guided hike is not a regular thing. So we got lucky that it was available the day that we happened to be there. And it was also led by a volunteer, I believe. And it started at the Tonke Ridge Trail, which was off of the Javelina picnic area. It was very nice. It was short. It was only about... I don't know, a quarter of a mile walk, but very pretty. You can take this trail all the way to the Tonka Verde Peak, you know, if you're not doing it as it's getting dark. And it's about eight and a half miles one way. So it's a long trail. But we just went about a quarter of a mile out. And it is quite steep. And this takes you into the wilderness area. And that's something to note that a significant portion of this park is what they call the wilderness area, the backcountry, as opposed to front country hiking. And so most hikes that one would do if it's going to be any bit of distance is going to be in the wilderness area. Also, as long as we're speaking about wilderness area, as a side note, there is no front country camping in this park, only backcountry camping. And so you would need a wilderness permit. That's right. Although backcountry, and I hope we talk about this on a subsequent podcast in the series, I'm really 
really intrigued to do it and uh, some of the do's and don'ts of that. But I do have a, a just a quick comment on the sunset hike we took. Uh, and obviously, I don't need to explain to anybody or you why sunset hikes are great or the majesty of seeing a sunset over an open vista, whether it's at Suaro or somewhere else. However, one thing I thought, and maybe I'm by myself, was pretty cool was as the sun was going down, it was reflecting light in the distance off the tails of airplanes in the boneyard. The boneyard being a U.S. government installation where they have mothballed military aircraft. And uh, obviously with the dry, the dry weather, they are well-preserved. And I know sometimes seeing something man-made and artificial when you're looking at a vista can be a bummer. But for whatever reason, I did like that the glint off the tails and you could then make out some of these planes in this huge boneyard in the distance. For whatever reason, I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, again, you can see that. And with some eyesight or binoculars, you can make that out including the impressive Vista. So I thought that was a lot of fun as well. Oh, yeah, that was totally cool. So just switching gears here a bit, because, uh, and I do want to ask you a little bit about some of the animals. We've talked a lot about the cactus, but again, this was a very vibrant and diverse ecosystem. Just some practicalities. Again, it's a weird park where there's two sections of it that are not contiguous. They're on the east side and west side of Tucson, kind of splits it in the middle. How easy is it, Danielle, to get from one side, one park to the other park, the other side of Suaro National Park? It's an hour drive. There's a road you don't have to get on the highway. You can take a road called the Speedway that takes you from basically one visitor center to the other, but it will take an hour. Well, I thought it was fun that it was called the Speedway. Yeah, but you can go from one to the other. And next to the east side, there was some front country camping that is not associated with the national park. But if you needed to go and camp, it's not far. Do you remember what that was called? That is the Gilbert Wright Campground. And that is what they recommend. You know, if you ask the park rangers, that's what they'll recommend to you. And by the way, it's not in Saguaro National Park, but you are still surrounded by the Sonoran Desert and all the Saguaro. So you can get that front country experience right outside a park entrance. That's right. So we have some of that. And again, backcountry, and there seems to be some real tasty backcountry campsites, but we ha- I haven't had a chance. We haven't had a chance to do that. Of course, when I think backcountry in the desert, I think about rattlesnakes. I also think about a lot of the animals that are in the park. So Danielle, do you want to talk about some of the animals that we learned about? What can one look for when they're in the park? Yeah, so we saw some birds and, and we saw some type of lizard. But other than that, we didn't see anything with our own eyes. But we did see and heard many cactus wren. There's some other birds that we came across or that our guide talked about. The curve-billed thrasher, Gila woodpecker, a wood thrush, white-winged dove, um, which is the primary pollinator of the saguaro. And then animals. We actually did see ground squirrel. We saw that when we were checking out the petroglyphs on the Signal Hill Trail. And... Pack rats, roadrunners, great horned owl, elf owls, which is the smallest owl in the northern hemisphere, Mexican spotted owl, mountain lions. Now, this one was interesting. You know, you're you're not going to see a mountain lion. That would be pretty rare to see. But the amount of the park is half of the amount of space that they actually need. Uh, do you remember the exact numbers on that? I think it was something like... 
300 square miles versus 150 square miles, something like that. They don't have the amount of territory that they require. Yeah, it's the same story with any large animal anywhere that, uh, you know, we were just in the Everglades and with the Florida panther, the same story. Again, it just goes back to, not to belabor the point, the Sonoran Desert is a very active and vibrant ecosystem with plants and animals everywhere. It was a great education for us. Let me just mention a couple of others. Of course, Havelina, which I'm sure people have heard of, and then the Gila monster, which is a poisonous lizard. Yeah. But it spends 95% of its life underground. Yeah, it's amazing. And we saw a video in the visitor center of just how they emerge all at once. Just they know when it's time to come out. It's really interesting to see. Kind of freaky too. If you if you were standing there and a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of little little dinosaurs just start coming out of the ground, it would be a little bit freaky, but it was really interesting to learn about that. So anything else that we're missing? I mean, I, Danielle, what would you think? Like a long weekend and you could see a real, a real good cross section of this park? Definitely. Absolutely. And then you know, if you're not into camping, Tucson is right there and seems like a really fun, great city to explore as well. If you like that combination of, you know, urban and and checking out nature in the park. Which we did. I mean, we're kind of off brand here talking about it, but Tucson's a very fun and righteous city. So we had a lot of fun going out in Tucson and especially after some big long hikes. It was good to see that Tucson has a good microbrewery culture. So we were able to sample some of that and get some good uh, high quality Mexican food. Tucson's a very fun town as well. And so to have that as a long weekend as your perch, if you fly in or drive in, it's a great way to have a, an easy national park slash urban experience. So it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to go back. Yeah. The east side and the west side, they both have their own respective loop drives, which are really nice and recommended to stop and check out overlooks and trails along the way. On the west side, it's the Pajada Loop Trail. On our last day before we went to the airport, we had a small window of time. So we were able to spend a little while checking out the Valley View Overlook Trail, which was awesome and is supposed to be a really great spot for sunset. And we did the Signal Hill Trail to see the petroglyphs. And that's what I mentioned. That's where we saw the ground squirrel, which was really cute. And hopefully my pictures came out and so I can post those on Instagram and stuff. And then we also did on our one of our last visits to Arizona briefly, we did the Desert Discovery Trail, which is right near the right, right near the uh, visitor center. And that was that's a walk. It's totally accessible, half a mile. And it's one mile from the visitor center. ADA accessible. ADA, right. But that was really nice. And then on the east side, there's the Cactus Forest Scenic Loop Drive, which is an eight mile drive. Very beautiful. We stopped at the Desert Overlook and parked there and took some pictures and it was really exquisite. We did the Mica Trail, which is at the other picnic area, also ADA accessible, two miles round trip. And that was just stunning with the snow covered mountains in the background was really beautiful. We continued driving around the loop and stopped at the Desert Ecology Trail, which is a quarter mile round trip and has a lot of signage. Then we wanted to race back to get back to the visitor center so the kids could uh, swear in as junior rangers, take their pledge and get their badges. I think that's that's pretty much. Oh, 
silly me, I forgot that we spent a whole day without the kids. We went back to the east side and we did the Garwood Loop Trail. That was spectacular. Yeah, it was amazing. That was a highlight. Again, going back to what we said at the top, we got to see water features that uh, any other time, maybe even any other year, you would not see. So waterfalls that basically didn't exist. And to hear rushing water and see waterfalls in the middle of the Sonoran Desert felt like such a treat. And it was a uh, it was a big hike for us to, to get some uh, mileage in. But it was certainly a highlight and rewarding. I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite hikes that I've ever done. And maybe that's because of the time we were there with the snow, seeing the snow, seeing so many different things, seeing trees and forest and going up the mountain a little bit there was just such a variety and then so much water and there is water there all year round but we saw so much water because of you know the weather we talked about so um that was really really amazing i loved that hike and that is uh, you get that off of the douglas spring trailhead and that was a it was a about six miles of elevation 730 feet took us about four hours because i like to take photos that it was just beautiful and once again we were able to get off the beaten track even though it was one of the busiest weekends for the park because of all the water features that were out that hike once we got going you know we saw a few people hiking but we were not crowded at all so again it's one of the magic and one of our pieces of advice always is if you can get away from kind of the main features of a park you can get away from people pretty quickly. So again, we weren't by ourselves on this hike at all, but we weren't crowded by any means. Yeah, there were so many turnoffs from that main trailhead. So there were tons of people, but once we made a turnoff, you know, we only saw a few people. It was great. So highly recommend Suaro, East and West Side. Did you like one side better than the other or you like them both? No, I, I, uh, I was thinking about this a lot and I can't... I have no opinion of one over the other. So no, I think if, if you have the time, go see both. But if you only can see one, you um, you're okay. You're, you're okay. It's not as though you miss some something spectacular on the other side. Again, probably some uh, ranger may disagree with me, but I think, yeah, you can't go wrong. Great. And we did, uh, just on that trail, we did a detour out and back to the little wild horse tank. So, oh, all right. Well, well, the kids just came home. So <laughs> we've got to go that. And, uh They'll probably be interviewed later. Okay. Bye for now. Okay, we're back. Welcome home from school. Yay, school. (laughs) So now we're going to talk to our kids. Let's hear from our youngest daughter first. Say hello. Hello. So how did you like Saguaro National Park? Really good. I like the hotness and the Saguaro was cool and they were huge they were huge yeah did you expect them to be small i expect them to be smaller no yeah they were they were really really big pool they could be it could be five feet in the back that's how i imagine to be five feet yeah but instead we saw them 30 feet even 60 feet tall (gasps) that is very big and also, the prickly pear, when I first heard prickly pear, I thought it was actually a pear that was prickly. When I first <laughs> heard the word prickly pear, I'm like, what? A prickly pear? <laughs> Not exactly. So can you tell me what you liked most about the saguaro, the actual 
saguaro cactus. We talked about that. Um, I really liked the hotel. So can you explain what that means? There's a hotel. So there's two cactuses close to each other. One is a hotel. One is just a normal cactus. Normal squirrel. But why did they call refer to a saguaro as a hotel? So a bird would put a hole. A bird would put the, a hole in the saguaro. It doesn't get the pricks on it. Mm-hmm. Only we do. So it puts a hole in it, and another bird might, and another bird might, and then a bird can move out, and the new bird can move in. What kind of bird makes holes in it? A woodpecker makes holes in it. Right, just like we see that at home, right? We hear the birds, would we hear the that knock, 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 knock on, on a trunk of a tree, and that's... Uh, those are the woodpeckers making holes in the tree. I remember um, close to where, close by in our backyard, there was a woodpecker that had a new home and it drilled a hole in one of the trees. Outside our home? Yeah, but right now we're talking about saguaro. So a woodpecker, like the gilded flicker and the heel of woodpecker, they make holes into into the saguaro and then what happens they can move out and so they've kind of made like apartments <laughs> right or hotel rooms in the saguaro but they and, can move out and, and then other birds that are not that don't make the holes that don't make holes can move and say like oh somebody made a hole for me i can just stay in here that's right yeah so we talked about the volunteer guide talked about owls do you remember the name of a little owl? It was the elf owl. Yeah, it's an elf owl. They're uh, small. They called it the elf owl because elves are small. So they called it the elf owl. Right. So the woodpeckers make sort of a cavity inside the cactus, and then other animals and birds make that their home. Elf owls, screech owls, purple martins, finches and sparrows, all sorts of birds. Larger birds may make a nest on on top of the saguaro, like red-tailed hawks, for example, use them for nesting, great horned owls. So all sorts of animals stay in the saguaro hotel. It's kind of a cute little name for it. Saguaros are really important for so many different animals in the Sonoran Desert. Pretty cool, right? I'm going to tell you that if you want to know if you're in the Sonoran Desert, you have to look around. If there's any saguaros. If there is no saguaros, that means you're not in the Sonoran Desert. If there is, that means you're in the Sonoran Desert. Just to let you know. Because <laughs> saguaros are only found in the Sonoran Desert. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else, any last thoughts that you want to share? I want to share the pledge when it was getting my badge for the... To earn your Junior Ranger badge? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is important about the pledge? What did you learn from that? And what do you do as a Junior Ranger? 
Oh, but Junior Ranger is you want to go to several parks, mm-hmm. and you also you so if there's like flowers, don't pick them. You and would. don't and if you accidentally litter and you don't know, make sure somebody's like behind you. That way, you know, or you just look behind you just in case, like. Or you keep the garbage in your backpack and tightly zipper. Right. So the two things, very important, is you learn about Saguaro National Park and protect it, and you teach others about it. And if somebody wants to go there and they haven't been there and they... um, um, like they never been there and they want to go there, you can tell them lots of stuff about it. And that way they're like, oh, I can go here. Oh, I can go here too. <laughs> oh, I can go here. Okay, well, you are a good junior ranger and you promise to care for and protect America's national parks to keep them safe and beautiful for everyone. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about Saguaro National Park and the things that you learned. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. I really liked talking with you. Thank you so much. I love talking with you. Okay, and now we will hear from our older daughter. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. So would you like to share some of your thoughts or anything you learned or your or your favorite experience while at Saguaro National Park? Something I learned in Saguaro is that the hooked barrel cactus always points towards the sun. Isn't that so cool? That is. So if you're not sure where the sun is, just look at the direction <laughs> Of which cactus? The barrel cactus? The hooked barrel cactus. Hooked barrel cactus. It has little hooks that point down. That is very cool. Yes. Also, I think it's super cool how a bush or a tree um, can have a bunch of cactuses growing under it. Baby cactuses. It's like a nursery. So cacti. Yes. Right? Cacti, not cactus. (laughs) Yeah, what did we call that? We called it a nursery. A nursery. Why? Why do we call it a nursery? Because it's a bunch of baby cactuses, like when baby humans go to to school, but they really go to a nursery. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when you see a cactus in the wild, you know you're in the Sonoran Desert. Even though it says desert, there's actually a lot of green in it. In the Sonoran Desert. You can find cacti in a lot of places, but the saguaro is only in the Sonoran Desert. Yeah. Right. right. Is that what you meant? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Here is a joke. I love your jokes. There are three types of saguaro cactuses. Can you name the three types? Mm, I don't think I can. Will you tell me? Yes. Cigaro, saguaro, and saguaro. <laughs> So, for someone who's never been there or never seen a, a saguaro cactus, they might not understand that joke. Okay. 
So, cigar like a cigar. Saguaro like oh, its arms sagging down. And then saguaro is the regular name. Right. So when we were there, we saw some saguaros that didn't have any arms. Right. So that was which type of cactus? Cigarro. Okay. And then the saguaro that were kind of old, and so their arms were a little droopy, which cactus was that? The saguaro. Saguaro. And then the ones that were nice and strong? Saguaro. Saguaro. <laughs> Good job. I like it. Thank you. So do you have anything else that you would like to share? Also, the saguaro is a home to many animals. Oh, yeah. Your sister talked about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think you want to hear it twice. Yeah, we don't need to hear it twice unless you remember any of the specific animals. I I named quite a bit. Lots of birds. But were there other animals besides birds? Um, I think maybe a type type of rodent, right? Maybe a ground squirrel, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, the ground squirrel. Okay. I think, I'm pretty sure that was it. Cool. And then the, uh, you know, when the cacti bloom, have flowers blooming, then there's different animals that might like the, the fruit and the flowers and stuff. Like insects. All right, great. Last thoughts or anything else? That's it. Well, thank you so much for sharing what you learned and for always coming with some jokes in hand. We like those. Thank you. So we look forward to, uh, I look forward to our next trip together soon. Thanks for joining me. Sounds good. Bye. All right. And that's a wrap. So enjoy and we will see you on the trails. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybodysnps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.